Every once in a while, a fighter manages in this sport to reach a certain level of notoriety, yet still manages to somehow be shrouded in mystery. And heading into his first ever title bout with Charles Oliveira at UFC 280, it is fair to say that little is known about the man standing opposite the uncrowned champion on Saturday night. So I've spent some considerable amount of time compiling the research. Let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm Jason from MMA on Point, and these are nine interesting facts about Islam Mahachev. Number nine, childhood. Islam Razanovich Mahachev was born in Mahashkala, Dagestan, a city now famous for its sambo and wrestling culture. While many are familiar with him growing up and training with Habib there in the capital of the Republic, he actually was from a small mountain village called Bershi. This is actually not close to Mahashkala at all, in fact, and it's about three and a half to a four hour drive away and is an incredibly impoverished area. When he initially moved out from the city, the village kids used to try to pick fights with him because they perceived city kids to be weak. Turns out they weren't exactly right about that. He grew up there with his family, just his mother and father. His dad runs a tomato farm and provided for his family that way while his mother served as a housewife. As it relates to his career, though, she literally can't watch his fights and leaves the room whenever they're on. His dad, on the other hand, really enjoys it and has always supported his career. Islam from that time on dreamed of being a world champion and was reportedly made fun of for doing it. Whoops. His father decided to get involved in combat sports at an early age, so that leads us to number eight, meeting Habib. So during the school year, Islam would leave Bershi for his education out in Mahashkala. While his teachers have said that he was a great student, another big allure of the city was certainly combat sports. And there just so happened to be a gym famous enough in the area that he knew he wanted to train in when he was just six or seven years old. That was, of course, the training facility of Habib's late father, Abdulmanab Nurmagomedov. And since Islam had become close to Abu Bakr, Habib's cousin, who shared the same grade with him, the opportunity to train there became the obvious choice. In fact, Abdulmanab's been quite prophetic about the career of Islam to this point, saying for many years that he would be a world champion and has on several occasions said that Islam was better than Habib at his age. For context, Habib is about three years older than Islam, so naturally he's been just a couple years behind him in terms of career progression. It should be noted that both Abdulmanab and Javier Mendez, who is the head coach of course at AKA, said that the only fighter to win against Habib in training has been Islam. They've all considered him that good. There's no secret. I've always said uh, when people talk to me about Habib sparring and I say he's never lost a sparring session ever in the history of sparring with me. Never. And I'd say he does lose a round here and there. And the one thing that I've never said, who? <laughs> and the person who is Islam. He's the only one that's ever won around against Habib, ever. Even if there's a fire. Number seven, martial arts. As is typical for that camp, they all train a variety of martial arts. Islam has specifically trained in everything from wushu and judo to, of course, freestyle wrestling, but his best sport, without a doubt, has always been sambo. He's won everything from a federal international championship, world combat sambo federation championship, four-time combat sambo federation of Russia championship, and the all-time Russian national championship. Championship. For those who don't know Sambo, it's perhaps the most complete martial art out there, especially combat Sambo because it incorporates striking with some mission grappling and of course wrestling. While he'd have a ton of freestyle wrestling experience in terms of official competition, he's always trained it extensively and even managed to hit a huge takedown on an Olympic silver medalist with Kadi Magomedov in training. 
wrestling credentials or not, the guys definitely got the goods in that department. And Islam was still winning Sambo championships even after he fought in the UFC, with the two overlapping for more than a year before the focus moved exclusively over to MMA. Number six, his early MMA career. In case you were wondering how long his MMA and Sambo careers overlapped, well, it was about six years as his first MMA bout took place in 2010 and Sambo lasted all the way until about 2016. Before he arrived in the UFC, he would fight 11 times without a single defeat and actually seven of them resulting in a finish. While his first fight isn't available to watch, sadly, almost everything beyond that is. In his second fight, he showed just how dangerous it can be to attempt a takedown on him when his sprawl turned into a super quick combination, ending the fight in just 30 seconds. All these fights were incredibly dominant with all of his decisions being unanimous or resulting in finishes, as I mentioned. But one of those fights was the exception that went to a split decision. This being 11 years before his UFC title shot, and at this time being in Pro FC, which is, of course, the land of Sambo Masters and wrestlers, he did give up at least a few takedowns to his opponent, Vladimir Egoyan, and even a few knees in the clinch towards the end of the fight. Oddly, it was only a two-round fight. But either way, I think it was a bit charitable to call it a split decision. He still dominated a lot of that round. Either way, I recommend definitely going back and watching all those old fights because it was a pretty easy decision for the UFC to sign him up after all of that. Number five, the shadow of Habib. So I initially was just going to call this injury his signing into the UFC, but from here on out, his connection to Habib is pretty hard to ignore and definitely is the elephant in the room. Case in point, according to Islam himself in interviews, his signing in 2015 was due directly to his relationship with Nurmagomedov. In fact, they literally sent his UFC contract to Habib's mailbox. This was after he met Joe Silva, he was introduced as a training partner, and even though Islam said he planned on a couple more fights in Russia before looking to get signed, it was pretty much served right up to him. Of course, he would be victorious in his UFC debut, and before you knew it, he was already being talked about as a future title contender. But here's where it gets interesting. Anything you read about this from Habib or his father Abdulmanab, the plan was always to enter the title picture once Habib had moved on. Back then, they envisioned Habib would jump up to welterweight, leaving the crown for Islam to take. And sure enough, the title picture for him massively accelerated in 2021, once it was certain that Nurmagomedov was done. In the past, and a teammate Bond certainly hasn't stopped plenty of others from going for the gold, like fellow alumni from AKA and John Fitch and Josh Koscheck, but it certainly did happen with Kane and DC when DC went down to light heavyweight, so perhaps it's more of an AKA thing after all. But either way, Islam has certainly benefited from his proximity to the former champion, just as Sergio Pettis did with his big bro Anthony, and it's a good thing, really. I mean, how many fighters are going to turn that situation down? Number four, his only loss. Speaking of infamous facts about his career, the loss to Adriano Martins is something that you'd no doubt at least heard of, even if you don't know who it was. So basically, Adriano has a career that is interesting enough on its own. For one fun fact, as of the date of this recording, he has not won a single fight since beating Islam in 2015, with five total, and it was two losses that sent him packing from the promotion not long after. But the guy already had 27 wins by the time of this fight with seven losses. Islam was just 12-0 and at the time. And for the uninitiated, he essentially was a highly touted BJJ practitioner with various championships to his name, 
which to be fair might have actually been the difference maker here because he was able to easily shrug off Islam's takedown attempts and being a more developed striker at the time, frankly he easily got the knockdown when Islam repeatedly came lunging in with the same combination multiple times. Of course that being in 2015 we've seen massive improvements from Mahachev in this area but it leaves open some fascinating questions particularly as this leads into a huge title fight with someone who has better abilities in MMA than Martin's had with all time records to back it up. But it's completely clear that Islam is not the same man he was back then. And that's what makes this fight so interesting. Number three, the doping scandal. When I came across this, I was honestly shocked. I don't even remember this happening. This is your brain on drugs. Back in 2016, when he was initially supposed to fight Drew Dober, and just after the loss to Martins, he tested positive for a banned substance called meldonium. Meldonium, used to treat heart ailments, but some studies suggest it may boost endurance and some who take it banned by the world anti-doping agency this year which essentially increases blood throw throughout the body and is used as a PED to accelerate an athlete's energy capacity and really turns them into a cardio machine if this sounds familiar I'm not mad I did it. It's basically called Russia's EPO, or quite frankly, nicknamed the poor man's EPO. Even though unflattering as the name suggests, big money names like Russian tennis star Maria Sharapova and top boxing heavyweight Alexander Povetkin had each faced suspension for using it among a list of 170 other Eastern Bloc athletes. Meldonium became a prohibited substance which I had not known. I made a huge mistake. Islam doesn't even deny taking it. In fact, he freely admits to taking it in late 2015 for four weeks to deal with an irregular heartbeat or ventricular arrhythmia. And so on January 1st, 2016, when WADA and subsequently USADA Bandit first went into effect, it was still in his system, all the way up until April of that year, just a day before he was supposed to fight Drew Dober. Because there was such a low level of meldonium in his system, and USADA also deeming his usage to be legitimate before the ban went into place, his name was cleared shortly after and his sanctions were all dropped. Number two, life outside of MMA. You wouldn't exactly refer to Mahachev as an open book considering his stoic nature, and it's not just the language barrier as Russian media will tell you the same. He just doesn't like to talk about his life much outside of the sport. When he got married, for instance, his wife's name and identity weren't even revealed, how most people didn't even know he was in a relationship. It's just not who he is to talk about this stuff. And I mean, Habib, for comparison, talks plenty about when he was having a kid even on the MMA hour when he showed up to that show in person. Why I need to be there? I don't know, support your wife, be there, hold her hand, I don't know. We have different mentality. But outside of the typical sports he enjoys outside of MMA that you'd expect and most likely have already seen, he does have a few surprising hobbies. For one, the man loves him some motocross. Considering the beautiful scenery of where he's from, this actually makes a ton of sense, but I doubt many people would expect it to learn that. But that's not his only preferred mode of transportation that I think you'll find interesting as he actually is an avid equestrian who does plenty of horse riding throughout the year. He even prefers it over motocross according to what he's detailed in past interviews. And maybe this is just me since so many fighters do it, but the thing that surprised me the most is, well, he's a bit of a gamer. While he maintains it's just one title that he plays, who would have thought he'd be a big PUBG fan, playing as much as an hour and a half every day? There are videos of fans running into him in lobbies online. I don't know, it just didn't take him for a gamer. 
What? Too bad Alex Bjornin hasn't done a Humanizing Athletes article on him yet, or perhaps we'd know more of this kind of thing. And number one, charity. Another aspect of who Islam Mahachev is that many don't know about is the fact that he gives back to the community. As I mentioned, that little village he's from, Bershi, being an impoverished area, it certainly lent itself to a tough life for the area's inhabitants. And so, once Islam's success came along, he began to share that with his home by building facilities, simple things like connecting the village with new platforms, installing springs, community buildings, and places of worship, he spent quite a bit giving back to the town that helped raise him. Outside of that, he's put in work at children's hospitals, providing hope to kids leading up to the fight with Oliveira, where he said this, the kids have more important fights. My fight is not so important. If we just help them 1%, make them happy, that's our mission. Beyond this, he's been charitable to other children's organizations as well, like the Solidarity Charitable Foundation for the Treatment of Sick Children, but in most cases, he prefers to give silently. At the end of the day, it's an admirable aspect of his personality that deserves more attention and should be lauded when athletes do things like this.